Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. I'm Brooke Mangum. And I'm Sarah Jenkins. We are so excited to introduce our guest today. We've got Richie Norton, and he is a motivational speaker. Motivation, whew, that is a tough one. <laughs> I know is. as a mom, I have a harder time finding motivation now. <laughs> it's so true. I mean, you have these people that you are responsible for, and it is, yeah. As long as motivation. no one's bleeding, that's like kind of where I've set the bar now. Is there any like motivational quotes or anything that, like any creeds that you live your life by? Yes. Creed, mantra, whatever you want to call it. I kind of, the one consistent one that I always live by is don't take anything personally because everyone is going through their own stuff and they're in their heads. And I think a lot of times, um, especially if you're having kind of like a sensitive day, you mm-hmm. might tend to be like, wow, they did this. And people are so in their heads and so kind of focused on themselves, self-absorbed, that they usually are not even aware of what's going on outside of their own heads. So that I think is such solid advice. Because I know there's a lot, there are times I'm like, wow, like this person's being really mean. And they and I know that I do that as well. Right. And I have no idea that I'm even doing that. Right. Just don't take things personal. It's sometimes easier said than done. But what about you? Do you have anything that you really Yeah, kind of there's one for me that I always kind of think about, especially if I'm going through a hard time. It's like the, you may not be able to control a lot in your life, but the one thing you can control is how hard you work. I love that. Yes. That's it. So it's like when you, when I feel like things are spinning out and chaotic, I'm like, you know what? I can't control the outcome a lot of ways, but what I can do is I can control what I'm doing right here, right now. And I can work as hard as I possibly can towards this goal. So true. You're motivating me right now. Hey, right. And I'm like, <laughs> and just hope it works out. Yes. <laughs> if it doesn't, pivot. Pivot. <laughs> I love it. Exactly. Well, um, this podcast, it uh, Carrie spoke with author Richie Norton about so many good tips on really motivation. And I say we take a listen. Let's do it. Let's leave it to the experts. Yes. <laughs> I am so excited to introduce to you our guest of the day, best-selling author and entrepreneur and all-over amazing human, Richie Norton. Richie, thanks for joining us today. Oh, you, you make me feel so good about myself. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. You can join us anytime. We really appreciate you sharing your time because people are busy. Thank you for coming in. I want to talk about your book. Let's start with it's Anti-Time Management. It's a beautiful book. I'm holding it in my hands. It's just amazing. I want to know why you decided to write this book. You know, let me, let me tell you to you in like a, in a, in a weird order, but I'd, I'd written this other book called the power of starting something stupid and people would start these stupid ideas and they get excited about it, but they wouldn't get the result they actually wanted, which was a weird thing because they can make money. The project could be successful. And then I realized they didn't want the project or the business or the job. What they really wanted was what they thought would come from the success of it. Mm. So the idea of anti-time management is how to live beyond goals, beyond habits, beyond strengths, where the real essence experience that we want lives. The reason this is important to me is because, you know, I've had a bunch of tragedies that happened uh, in my life. And it's weird when they're strung together, I feel like somehow it's attached to me. But in reality, they're, they're separate things that happened independently. My, my brother-in-law passed away in his sleep at 21. And when this happened... It totally crushed us. Like, my wife and I thought, you know, we, we do. We, we live long. You know, we, we do these things. We're going to experience all this stuff. And we're told mm-hmm. we could spend all this time working really hard for something later. But that wasn't true for him. And so it made us rethink. And then later, my, my son, we have four boys. And my youngest son, he caught pertussis, also known as whooping cough. Mm-hmm. And we actually didn't know the doctors didn't know. No one knew what he had. We kept going to the doctors, and they'd say he'd be fine. And eventually, he tested for pertussis, and it was just too much on his little body. 
my my brother-in-law's name was Gavin, and my son's name was also Gavin. And someone asked me, like, what did you learn from your brother-in-law passing away and your son passing away? And I came up with something that I call Gavin's Law, which is live to start, start to live. Because when you live on purpose, when you live from intention, you really will start living. And there's so many people who have these ideas that are pressing on their mind, they don't do anything about them, not taking into consideration the fact that we don't know how much time we have. Not just us, but the people we know, love, and trust and want to be with. A few years later, we had some amazing foster kids, three foster kids come into our home, and it was totally unexpected. And we weren't even foster parents. A, a mom that we had just met asked us to babysit them, and I don't want to get too specific, but she basically left and, and, and didn't come back. Wow. And when that happened, CPS came to our house, and it was a whole thing. And I said, what are you going to do with, with these wonderful kids? And it was a seven-year-old girl and one-year-old twins. And they said, no, it, it, was, it was terrible. N- you know, no one's going to take three kids. It's too many, and they're going to sleep in our office. And I was like, we'll take them. And my wife's at the same time, obviously. We'll take them. Like, well, you're not foster certified. And we're like, well, what can we do? And they said, well, since they were placed in your care, we can call it kinship placement. And so we ended up having these wonderful children at home for two years. They ended up going back to bio mom, which is wonderful for her. And... I just realized, like, how did, we, how did we have the space and the time to be able to go from, if you're doing the math here, four kids to three kids to six kids, basically overnight. It's a wild ride. It's a lot. And not, not too far after that, my wife, we're driving on the road. We're going to go on this trip. We're actually going to fly to New York. And my wife has this experience where she can't speak. She can't remember our names. She had a stroke. And I rushed her to the hospital, and uh, fortunately, I, I get a little emotional here, obviously, but sure. she, uh, she's okay. And I remember I was like, we're not going to go on this, this trip. And she said, there's no way I'm not getting on that plane. <laughs> she, she thought if she, if, she just, if she stopped doing and, you know, uh, all the things she wanted to do, she, she might not ever get back up again. And so her demonstration of courage was just, like, immense. And to make matters worse... <laughs> Later, my, my son got hit by a car crossing the street by a distracted driver. Didn't see him at all. So there was no slowing down. It was just hit. Fortunately, you know, obviously the guy pulled over and, and, and the aftermath. But I asked my son, who is fine now, like how he thinks about life and what he does. Mm-hmm. And he really just kind of shared, actually more by example, that it actually made him stronger in a lot of ways because he sees that he's not going to even in a tragedy, he can overcome it. He reframed it. I don't think he uses those words as a kid, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but I learned that through these experiences, even with tragedy, even when the unexpected happens, there is a way you can think through meaning and assign meaning to things and move beyond what's happening right now and think about living in a way that allows you to experience space and joy beyond all the things you hope to do and able to bring that like distance distant future to your present i know i'm using a lot of like crazy analogies here but i love this (laughs) i love it richie and i know our listeners will appreciate it and man you've been through a lot to say the least and that is just a true example that you are persevering through the storm and you're an incredible human and a wonderful example of of strength and courage and Thank you for sharing that story. And 
I can see why you are who you are. I knew when I met you, when you just walked in the door, I could feel, I could feel your, your spirit for life. Well, I mean, uh, I really could. Thank you. And now, and now I, I, I see why with, um, the trials that you've unfortunately had to face. Um, and with your book, what do you want people to take from it? I, I really want them to feel like the magic of, of living values from the start. What I mean is, if you were to bake a cake without sugar, you wouldn't expect it to be sweet. Mm-hmm. Now, I know you could put other things in it to make it sweet. I right. get it, like keto people and all that kind of stuff. I get it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Plenty of substitutions, there, right? There's all kinds of things you could do. <laughs> but if you go with the analogy for a second, this metaphor, a lot of people will say, they'll start a business, for example, with the hopes to get their time and their life back, only to lose their time in life to the actual business. Ooh, that's good. Or they'll say, I'm doing this for my family at the sacrifice of their family. And you're like, like time doesn't work that way. Mm-mm. There's times and seasons, I get it. But when you sacrifice like what you love more for something less, you actually you get neither. So the idea is to bake the cake with your values from the start. If you want more time later, figure out a way to get time now. You're more likely to have time later if you figure out a way to do it now. So if you don't bake in your values or time or whatever is important to you from the start, how can you say you lived a life on value five years from now, 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when you never have done it? You start cementing systems of the way you live, and we think that one day we'll jump out of that just real quick. There's going to be an exit. I'm going I'm to pay off the mortgage. The kids will be out of the house. We'll finally have this time. But if you talk to people that are in that situation, when they've already retired, uh, when the mortgage is paid off and the kids are out of the house, they don't say things like that. They say they wish they would have done the things they already knew they wanted to do way earlier, way sooner. And ironically, you can be more productive because you actually create these positive constraints that allow you to think differently so you can do your work dif- differently. W- one quick example. I like to say, build the castle, then the moat. Your castle is the dream, the moat, economic moat, strategic moat is a way to protect it. Mm-hmm. But this is the reverse of what most people do. Most people go to work hoping to one day build the castle. So they're, they're literally putting their work first and their values last on the fringe. Which is scary because time is never guaranteed. Exactly. And today, like with after this pandemic, after the, the way technology has changed, like the opportunity today to do something like this has never been greater. True. True, true. Well, does that, does that, that's so powerful, by the way, does that go into what you talk about time tipping? Yes. Okay, what is time tipping? <laughs> I almost titled the book Time Tipping. I went back and forth. Should it be time tipping or <laughs> anti-time manager? So I tried to get them both on there, you know, in, in, the, in the subtitle. But time tipping is kind of this, it's a way to think differently so that when you do the things you want to do, you don't intentionally tell yourself, I'm going to do it at the end of a timeline. Because since kindergarten, we learned that priorities, unfortunately, are last. When prioritize means prior, means to precede and proceed. Interesting, that's right. And so when people read the book, Anti-Time Management, and they experience time tipping, they'll say very interesting things, and they'll have very interesting experiences. One person compared it to, like, Anti-Time Management does for time what Marie Kondo did for tidying. Like, it really does create space. It really does create a relaxing environment, a way to enjoy what you want to do, and still be hyperproductive. 
throw out what doesn't bring you joy. <laughs> you <laughs> what go. was her thing, it, right? It, yes, yes. And, and it works because, well, let me say this way. The reason it's called anti-type management. I did deep research on what works, what doesn't work, just in life in general. Why do people wait to have more time, more experience, more money to, the, to do what, that they want, what they want to do? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it is a mentality. It's, it's less a resource and more of a thought. Mm-hmm. Because you can think anything, and you can work towards that thing. But a lot of times we don't think we can. So if you go back 200 years, 100 years, you'll find that time management, which is a word we love, but you'll find that it was, it was never designed to give you your time. It was intentionally designed by executives and managers to control your time. Time management was designed to measure every drop of blood, sweat, and tears Ooh. from workers. Mm-hmm. So when people go, I don't know how, how time management even got into the self-help vernacular. I mean, I, I get it. If you go, oh, now they'll be even more efficient if they manage their own time mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of us managing them, mm-hmm. then I get it. But like, if you ever like, manage your time so well, and then realize at the end of the day you got nothing done. Yeah. And so you find out that a full calendar is an empty life. And you go, what does that even mean? Look at your calendar. It's full. And you're, empty, and you're on empty. But this isn't about, like, overcoming burnout, even though you can, come out, you can overcome burnout. It's not even overcoming the toxicity that's all around you. It's literally about just deciding, if I want to take my family to Italy for two months... Yes, don't we all? Let's go. <laughs> Let's do this. <laughs> do I have to wait five years to do it? Do I have to start a business to do it? Mm. Can I, like, negotiate something with my employer to do it? And if someone listening to this might go, yes, I can. No, I can't. But the thought allows you to do it sooner than later. So I had a guy, an executive, he's making two hundred and fifty grand a year. He's like, Richie, I'm so busy. He's an accountant guy. I, I have no time. I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to start a business. What business are you going to start? Well, I'm going to start a gym. Okay, cool. Um, he goes, oh, I'm going to start two gyms. Okay, cool. I go, what's your dream, though? This is it. You have to ask yourself, what's the job of the dream? What's the job of the goal? What's the job of your work? This helps you move beyond goals, habits, and strengths, again, which we're obsessed with. And as a side note, Stephen Covey, Seven Habits, we all have heard of this. Mm-hmm. He said, begin with the end in mind. He did not say begin with means in mind, but we have made means ends unto themselves. A goal is a tool to reach a greater, like, experience. Mm-hmm. So it was a habit. So it was a strength. So this guy is telling me this stuff, and I go, cool, so what's your dream? He goes, what's the job of the, of the dream, the job of the goal? Oh, I want some more time with my family. Oh, awesome. He goes, I, I was way nicer to him on, on the call than I am, like, right now, but he's like, I want to be able to spend more time with my family, so I'm going to start this gym. And I said, Who's going to open the doors in the morning and close it at night? Ooh, yeah, good point. And he said, he said, I will. I'm a micromanager. He self-described himself as a micromanager. I go, that's cool. How old are your kids? He goes, oh, 13 and 15. I said, how long will this take for you to, like, free up your time and then do what you want to do? He said, five years. And I said, this is his math. Mm-hmm. I go, okay, so you're telling me that when your kids are 18 and 20, you're going to finally have time for them? And then it hit him. I just took a big deep breath because that that's that it, hits home. It hits mm-hmm. home, and I was like, "It's not about the gym. You can start it. It's how you get paid, not how much that determines your lifestyle." Mm-hmm. To an extent, we need money. I get it, but he could still have a gym and have someone else operate it if he was willing. Right. He could do one of those online courses. He could do the kind of gym where you go in and out twenty four seven with a cart, and no one has to be there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I get there's lots to it, 
But you want to try and choose goals and decisions that eliminate all the other choices you would have to make that you don't want to make. And in that sense, you free up all this space. So if he really wanted to do this thing, he could go on that trip with his family tomorrow instead of uh, five years from now. And it wasn't about the gym. It could have been any business or any decision or any job that would allow him to do that. It's this kind of thinking that people, I call them time tippers, uh, that time tippers do to overcome their current challenges, to create the future they want, and then rescue that dream from the end of a timeline and bring it front and center. That's so powerful. Richie, that is just, it's changing the way that I'm thinking. I know Mm -hmm. people listening right now are thinking, you know, we think we have this like hustle mentality Mm. where we work, 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 and then, and then what? You know, the time has passed. And I love that example with your friend because then it's like, okay, five years, then what? Exactly. Again, I'll just bring it kind of full circle. I didn't always think this way. It was when I started thinking about how I'm going to reach my dreams in the future and how hard I would have to work to get there. I started asking better questions when all these tragedies happen. What if it could happen now without these bad things I'm worried about happening? And what would I do to make that happen? Or who could help me make that happen? Or what? That level of thinking changes. doesn't mean that it happens instantly, but it means that it's now possible. Where before, if you didn't think it was possible, you were right. Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> yeah. point. Yeah. Really good point. Now you talk about, I'm interested to ask you about this. What is sure. prismic productivity? So I know that the listeners can't see this, but on the cover, there's a prism. I noticed this. I wondered if you were going to tie it in with this. <laughs> yeah. It's beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. And you'll see like one line, and you know, just a prism. When you, when you put a light or a laser on a prism on the, on the other side, it comes out with like this strobe, I guess, of, of colors. Mm-hmm. So the concept is that one decision, one small decision can create gigantic results on the other side. Mm. But the opposite of that, which no one thinks about, most people are doing this, a bunch of things on the other side of the prism and only reaching one goal or nothing at all. Oh, that's good too. That, <laughs> dang, you're so good with this. That's a good way to look at it where you look at it, you know, one uh, maybe stream of light or one energy, you know, uh, combining and causing one, two, three, four, five, six, when you see this cover, you'll understand what I'm saying, but, or the other way around, Yeah, you know, and which way do you want it to be? And they work together. So people have many different things they want to do. And on a traditional timeline, you might say that one thing happens in another, but I'm trying to to say, why don't you turn it from, from being horizontal to vertical and what do what I call project stacking. So if you have four goals, instead of going, I do this, then I do this, then I do this, then I do this. With a little bit of different thinking, you can go, what if I turned it vertical where they're stacked on top of each other? Mm. What if one decision could make all these things happen at the same time? So you have a personal goal, professional goal, a goal with your family and your relationships, a goal for, like, play, like things you really like and want to do. Where's the overlap? And when you intentionally start thinking of ways to make them overlap, you can actually do one thing and make many positive things happen productivity. Oh, the way of thinking <laughs> and flipping it to a stack. That's, oh, that's right. so good. Richie, that is so good. Let's talk about procrastination because I know that <laughs> many people do it. I'm a big procrastinator. I feel like in a way it's a stress relief where I'm, I'm putting off something and it's a way to, you know, relieve that stress or that anxiety. Is it really a bad thing? No, procrastination's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Then I am like a professional and I am amazing, I guess, at this. Hey, think about it this way. No one is more productive than a procrastinator with an impending deadline. Mm. 
And so, like, if you can, if you stop punishing yourself, you know, for being a procrastinator and start leveraging it as like an, a, a super ability plan for it, oh man, you can do anything. <laughs> this is good. I just got the okay from Richie that it's okay to, you know, don't, you know, don't rake yourself over the coals if you're a procrastinator either, right? Because everybody, you're human, you do it. That's right. And from what Richie says, it's good. I, it's honestly, okay. I don't think I've ever met a person that said they weren't a procrastinator. Now, so there's degrees, but procrastination is, it's different than what we think. It's actually an addiction to immediacy because we think the thing that we want to do later is so important and takes so much time or it's, 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 it's critical that we start doing like lesser things that, that we can do now. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's like going to dinner and filling up on bread and not being able to enjoy like the main course. Right. <laughs> but the bread looks so good <laughs> and it's so tasty, right? Yeah. That's a good point. And then people will say, oh, but I'm a perfectionist. And I go, that's fine. Like it's, being a perfectionist is, is also great. It's a never-ending battle. You're always going to be able to beautify something and, and make it more perfect. The challenge with making things perfect is that you do the same thing. You start, because something is so difficult to make perfect, perfectionists will choose lower-priority tasks to do that they can do quicker and better and more perfectly than the real thing that they want to do. But when you start putting these things together, and you really focus on something, I'm going I'm to use some philosophy here, uh, Aristotle called it final cause. Final cause basically means an acorn becomes an oak tree. So a lot of times we're planting seeds that we think will become an oak tree, but it never will because they're, they're the wrong seeds. So with final cause, if we say, what's the goal of the goal? What's the purpose of what I'm doing? What's the job of my work? So you reach that, that oak tree, so to speak. It changes the decision tree. So procrastinators and perfectionists can still be procrastinators and perfectionists, if they're working on the right activities, and then it all comes together. Mm. I love that, Richie. That's so good. Um, I wish that we could talk to you for, <laughs> I mean, all day, but I have, we have time for one last subject. Right, Let's talk right. about regrets in life. It seems like that happens more than often. Um, how can we strive as human beings to live with no regrets? Is it possible? It's a great question. A lot of times regret is in retrospect, right? But in a, in a lot of and sometimes out of our control. So let me say this too. Mm-hmm. So it's not about moving on. It takes time. It's moving forward and, and assigning meaning to that experience to make it meaningful. Some people talk about purpose, but their activities aren't purposeful. These are, these are, these are very different distinctions. So when we talk about regret, I try to say, think of, consider your future regret and make that today's imperative. If you know, most of us do, Think about it for real. If, you, if, you, if we want to put these things together, most of our dreams are future regrets. Mm-hmm. It's almost yeah. the same thing. In fact, isn't it the same thing? And so then we say, how can I take that future regret and eliminate it by doing it now without spoiling all the things that I want to do? So when I said like a, a full calendar is an empty life, it doesn't mean you can't use a calendar. It doesn't mean you can't fill it up. It just means the things that you don't like or don't want to do are handled because you've been open about outsourcing, delegating, eliminating those things, and focusing on the things you really do like and want to do. And this allows you to eliminate a lot of your regret in the future right now, and it allows you to reclaim your life from past regret right now. That's good. 
That's, that's a phenomenal. Like I've you. said that I a like lot you. throughout this entire me. podcast, <laughs> but that's a phenomenal way to look at it because regret can be so tough. Oh yeah. You know, it's like that pit in your stomach. So if you're looking at it the way you just explained and, and doing the things in the future that you might regret now, do it now. Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a really great way to look at it. Um, I could continue talking to you forever, um, but unfortunately, we, we are out of time, but I want people to get your book. I want people to get to know you, know, you and follow you, and we just got a little piece of you today, which we appreciate hmm. so much. Where can we buy your book? Where can we follow you, Richie? Thank you. Book's available now everywhere, and... I, I'd love it mean the world if you if you grab the copy because I think it, I really do believe that it can help you know with your situation uh, whatever it might be uh, go to richnorton.com and especially richnorton.com slash time I have a whole 90 day challenge and free bonuses and free chapter and free audio and all this kind of stuff to help people kind of walk them you know hand in hand with the book uh, to make their dreams happen you're wonderful this has been an awakening for me I hope uh, and I'm sure listeners out there are also have learned a lot from you today. So thank you for sharing your your uh, wisdom. It's my honor. You're, you're just, welcome. Thank you're you. awesome. <laughs> and uh, we, we like to end these with uh, something called we uh, the Fresh Five. Five quick questions. Okay. You just say what's off the top of your head. You don't. He, I have not prepped Richie with these, oh, so he has no I'm idea. I'm going to mess it all up. Here no, go. you're going to be great. Okay, first one. <laughs> Favorite thing to eat? Oh, steak. Oh, you knew right there. <laughs> steak. Uh, what never fails to make you laugh? Oh, uh, my wife, Natalie. She's the best. Go, Natalie. Good job, Natalie. You're awesome. Uh, what are you most excited about in life right now? Uh, you know, I, I want to say, like, my dog, Velzy, as, like, as like a joke, but... <laughs> we, <laughs> we, go, we love our furry we, friends. We go on walks on the beach every day. But 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 honestly, right now, like, I'm, I'm doing exactly what I want to do right now. Like, being here with you, sharing this book, like, I'm stoked. You're in the, you're in the moment. <laughs> I am. Yep, yeah. that's pretty contagious. That's pretty cool. Uh, it's brunch. What do you order? Oh, I, well, other I, the, than steak, the first the first thing that came to my mind was eggs. So it's, so it's got to be steak and eggs. You know? Steak and eggs. There you go. That's a good one. Uh, last one. Best gift you've ever received. That's hard. I know that's a tough one. Oh, just my children. I mean, they're amazing. You know, they inspire me. It's what I live for. Your children. Yeah. You're wonderful, Richie. One more time. Tell us your website where we can find you. Uh, RichieNorton.com. RichieNorton.com/slash/time. Book is out now. Out now. Okay. Get it right now. Thank you so much. Richie, thank you so much for joining us. Please come back anytime. You're welcome. Of course, we're going to have you on Fresh Living, too. So if you tune into the show every day at 1, you'll see Richie on the show. Thank you, Richie. Thank you. And thank you for listening to another episode of Fresh Off the Set. Please rate, review, and subscribe, and we will see you next week. Congrats, you made it to the end. If you want to continue to freshen up your day, you can watch us on Fresh Living every weekday on CBS Channel 2 in Utah at 1 o'clock. You can also watch us on our YouTube channel, TV Fresh Living, and follow us on social media. We will see you next week.